Isn't that good? I mean, when you think about the last year and how for all of us, we've experienced some type of challenge, perhaps gotten lost in the circumstances, um, been set back maybe in your business, your family structure, a lot of things have come against you. God never forgets about his children. He never forgets about his people. And, and the beautiful thing about that video is a commitment on behalf of you, the children of God, the people of God, to continue to move forward together by faith, to continue to be a part of something that's more important. You see, here's, here's something that's true if you look across the nation today. A lot of people, um, they've lost their priorities in the last 18 months. Um, quite frankly, a lot of people in the last 18 months have lost their faith. Um, they're good Christian people before they were committed to their church. They were committed to good principles. And yet in the last season of life, a lot of things have taken over because darkness has a way of doing that. It has a way of bringing about discouragement and bringing out the worst of us. Even good Christian people, it just brings out the worst in even God's children. Well, what's funny is if you find this point where you say, you know what, God, you haven't forgotten about me. God, you're still in charge, and God, you're with me. You're with me. Then there's something about knowing the presence of God that he is with you that allows you to understand that no matter what season of time you find yourself in, God is a God who redeems the time. And those stories, those photos, those are moments from this church in the midst of a shutdown, a church that didn't quit, people who didn't quit, people who knew that God was with them in the midst of some very challenging times. And by focusing on what matters the most, that God is with us, that he has sent his son Jesus to save us, and that we as people are different, children of God, Men and women of God, sons and daughters of God, you're different. And because you have a different Savior, a different focus in this world, you can rest in the truth that God is redeeming your time. He's redeeming this season of life. This morning, I, I did something with my kids at home before church. Um, I actually made them listen to another sermon. You're like, gosh, that is so much torture, right? Like... God, what kind of parent does that, a pastor? Um, that's what he does, right? And I said, um, kids, I won't do near as well as this guy did on this sermon today. I, I know that. But I want, you to, I want you to hear a little bit of what dad's talking about today before we get there. Because there was this guy in 1854. His name was Charles Spurgeon. And he was a great preacher, um, not here in America, right, in England. And he's preaching um, this Christmas Eve message, and he takes one word, the word that we'll look at today. He takes one word, and he does this whole sermon on it. And the word is the other name of God, the other name given to the Messiah, the other name given to Jesus in prophecy that we didn't look at last week, but I think it's very important for us today. It's that name. You know it. Emmanuel. Emmanuel. It means, it's translated... God is with us. Now, last week we talked about the names, the prophecies that were given to this child that was going to be born, this Savior that was going to be born. And the people in that generation genuinely thought he was going to be a king in that generation. But the names that were given to him were not ordinary names. They weren't names just given to a regular king or a regular Messiah. No, he was given the name Wonderful Counselor, which means supernatural. We talked about that. 
right? Mighty God. Well, you don't go around calling your kids God unless there's something really wrong or unless that kid can really like walk on water, which I only know one person that can do that. Um, everlasting Father, a child that's been forever and ever. Well, you don't walk around doing that. And then Prince of Peace, someone who would actually bring peace to his people, peace to their souls, to their hearts, to their lives, Prince of Peace. Those were the names that were prophesied. But there's this other prophecy that was given. And I want us to look at it today from Isaiah chapter 7. Take your Bibles, Isaiah chapter 7. And as we think about as a church how we have been redeeming this whole entire season of life by not stopping, not closing, not shutting down, but continuing to press forward as best as we could in the midst of it with you, the people of God, all of us together, trusting in the Lord in the midst of some very difficult times. Now, I think this name given to Jesus is very appropriate for us. These names given to the Savior, but this one today, Emmanuel, God with you right now, right now. Not then, not tomorrow, God with you right now. This name is very appropriate to us as we think about how God is always redeeming the time. Isaiah chapter 7. Um, I'm going to back up just a little bit in the chapter, verse 7. Um, but I'll kind of give you the backdrop. Um, the king of Judah, Ahaz, is being oppressed from really three different sides. It's, it's two different other nations that are coming against him. And then there's a third player in there as well. So, um, and basically when he looks at his life, when he looks at his people, when he looks at the circumstances, there's no way out. There's no way to win. There's no way to overcome. It's darkness. It's challenge. It's real. It's oppression. And that's what he sees. That's what he feels. That's what he's going through in his generation. And so the Lord has to speak. And the Lord brings Isaiah to speak to him in verse 7. And this is what the Bible says to him, to Ahaz, king of Judah. This is what the sovereign Lord says. It will not take place. It will not happen. What will not take place? What will, what will not happen? The destruction that they thought was going to come upon them. The defeat, the discouragement, all of the negative stuff that they were feeling, that they were thinking was going to occur. God said to them, it's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. That's good news. What happens? He goes ahead and he says, for the head of Aram is Damascus. And the head of Damascus is only resin. And it's a king, a person. And it's only this. And within 65 years, Ephraim too will be shattered will be too shattered to be a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is only Remaliah's son. So, look at this. If you do not stand firm in your faith, then you will not stand at all. That's the prophecy that comes before he even announces the Messiah, the Savior, that's going to come and bring this to pass. So before he gets there, he says, look, you're thinking the wrong thing. You're focused on right now and all the negative of right now and all of the defeat and everyone else and this geopolitical system and this world problem. That's what you're seeing, but you're not seeing who's really in charge. And if you do not stand in your faith, then you're not going to stand at all. What a great, great word for us today. And so again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, verse 10. And he says, 
ask the Lord your God for a sign. Whether it is in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, hear now you house of David, is it? Not enough to try the patience of humans. Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. He will be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. For before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings whom you dread will be laid waste. Now forward to Matthew, the gospel of Matthew chapter 1. And in there, there is an announcement that is made in verse 20, 20, 22 and 23. The Bible says this, All of this took place so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet would be fulfilled. Behold, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel. Look at this. Which translated means God with us. God with us. 740 years before the birth of Christ, the prophet Isaiah goes to King Ahaz, and he says, there is going to be a son born to a virgin. And they are going to name this child Emmanuel. Approximately 740 years later, Jesus is born to a virgin named Mary. In a stable in a stall in Bethlehem. And it's to fulfill the very prophecy that we read in Isaiah chapter 7. To fulfill what God said to his people, the same thing that God would say to you today if you were a follower of the Savior by faith. Emmanuel, God, Jesus, he's with you. There's never a moment when God has forgotten you. There's never a moment when God has abandoned you. There's never a moment that's too difficult for God to not redeem in your life and turn it into something good. God is a God who is redeeming the time. And how is God able to do that? Because he's not a God who's a God that is distant. The problem for many of us is that we feel God is distant. We think God is distant. We go through our own moments where we separate ourselves from him because of our choices, our actions, our attitudes, the motives that we have, the things that we harbor within. Those things make us feel, sense that God is far away. But God himself never moves. God is not a God who abandons his children. God is not a God who leaves us to figure it out on our own. God is a God who is Emmanuel. He is a God who is with us and he's a God who proves it. He's a God who would send his son Jesus, Emmanuel, to be God with us in the flesh. And when we go through those seasons of life, perhaps, and this Christmas is a great time to reorient, refresh our hearts and our faith, and to look forward, we need to remember how. 
by holding on to the God who is with us, not the God who is far away, not the God who perhaps we have a problem with or we're angry at. (laughs) He's a whole lot better, and he's a whole lot bigger than that. He's not a God who forgets about us and who leaves us alone. No, he's a God who's present. And the birth of Christ is his largest proof to us that he would always be with his children. In this prophecy, when we look at it, it's twofold. There is the moment that it was given in Isaiah, 740 years before Christ would be born. And that prophecy is given to them in that moment. But that prophecy meant so much more to signify that God wasn't only dealing with the problems of their day, but he was bringing a solution that would be permanent in the day that he would be born. And guess what? That solution is still permanent for you and I in our day. The solution that God is with us, always redeeming those who would trust him by faith, redeeming the time. Today's life lesson, if you're taking notes, it's, it's very simple. And there are a few things that I'd encourage you to write down. Um, first of all, these passages, because they are the heart of why we capture the Christmas season. To remember what it's all about and to set our hearts in motion for what God has ahead for us in a new year. Isaiah 7, Matthew chapter 1. But the life lesson is very simple. God is with us. God is with us. And we can trust that he is always redeeming the time. God is with us. And therefore, we can trust. If you will not live by faith, you will not live at all. If you will not stand in your faith, you cannot stand at all. Therefore, when you know that God is with us, what can you do? You can trust that he is a God who is redeeming your life, redeeming this time, redeeming what is going on around us. He is a God that brings good in our lives, not evil. He is a God who brings light in spite of darkness. He is a God who brings healing to our sickness. He is a God who brings hope in the midst of everything that discourages. He is a God who redeems, not a God who destroys. When I look at this, there are a few things that stand out that I think will help us remember that God is with us. That video, as we watched it, we understand that as a church, there are actions that were taken. Some of you in person, in presence, some of you connected from a distance, and some of you committed in the midst of times when you couldn't even be here. Those are all actions of a people who knew God is redeeming this time and we must continue to stand in our faith in the midst of a world that is faithless, in the midst of a generation that's losing its direction, in the midst of people who are feeling oppression and discouragement, there has to be an answer. And that answer is a Messiah, a Savior who rescues his people and redeems their life. This passage, Isaiah chapter 7, Ahaz is feeling a pressure, perhaps similar to what you have felt and probably more so. And he felt that very personally. Here's what I've discovered during the last season of life. Everybody has walked through something very personally, but that personal walk, journey, challenge has been exponentially multiplied to produce a lot of negative fruit in people all around the world. I don't know if you've watched, but people traveling home for the holidays now on airplanes, people are more, uh, I guess, discouraging, vocal, and causing more problems on flights. So if 
If you're thinking about flying this year, maybe you want to drive. Oh, except that did you notice that road rage is also up a lot now in this last generation? So maybe you want to stay home. But if you stay home, have you noticed that a lot of families have gone through times of criticizing one another and being really negative towards one another? So maybe you want to find a cabin in the mountains, except it won't snow because of global warming, right? And so, gosh, what are you going to do? And, and isn't it funny how in our world we think it's all about us? And Ahaz was the same way. I mean, gosh, Samaria... Look at Samaria. They're going to come against us and they're going to destroy us. Ephraim. Ephraim's this huge nation and army and they're going to come. And if you look in the scope of world history, by the way, Samaria was just a blip on the radar of world history. I mean, you don't even think about them as a name today. Ephraim, it was a tribe, a, a, a really part of the half nation of Israel when they went through their great split, right? Um, but you look in the course of history and it's nothing but to Ahaz it was everything and the Lord had to speak to him in his moment perhaps like the Lord needs to speak to us in our moment hey look all this negative stuff all this fear all this oppression all this discouragement all this stuff that you're adding to this anxiety and stress that you're putting on the people that you're putting on yourself that you're causing list none of that even stands it doesn't matter have you gone through a season of life, perhaps, where you've been focused on a lot of things that really, at the end of the day, don't matter? You know what does matter? Watching a young man give his heart to Christ and get baptized. You know what does matter? Watching someone who's a grown-up in the midst of a pandemic say, you know what, I'm going to go and I'm going to teach children about Jesus. You know what does matter? Helping People, ladies who are going through very difficult seasons, going to a house that helps them get on their feet and helping do construction there as a part of a mission of a church. That matters. And there's something about getting our minds off of ourselves and recognizing that God is with us that helps us not get so lost and self-absorbed in a blip on a radar. I mean, sure, a lot of us will look back in history and go, remember when we lived through that pandemic? Remember when we lived through that season of life? Yeah, and some of you look at your life and you go, I've lived through a lot worse, right? You've been through things like that. How do you survive when things like that come your way? Well, this word was very important to Ahaz and it's very important to us. How do you, how do, you do that? You stand in faith. You always stand in faith. And as a child of God, as a child of Jesus, as one who is redeemed by the Savior, by the Messiah, by the wonderful Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and Emmanuel who is with you as your Savior right now. How do you survive? How do you move forward in those seasons of life? You stand in your faith. The Bible says anything that is not of faith is sin. It's useless. It doesn't stand. It doesn't last. If you exercise and stand in your faith, your faith in the Savior, your faith in his redemption, your faith in his plan for your life, then you can move forward. I, I have the privilege of, in this season of life, being able to speak to a lot of people. But some of the people I think that are um, maybe the most challenged in this season of life are the teenagers, the students. 
As I visited with some of the teenagers and students, the big question for them is, um, I don't know what God's purpose or plan for my life is. But, you know, those of you who perhaps have lived by faith throughout your season of life, you would be able to say to them, well, listen, you can trust the Lord because he's going to work it out. But how do you know that? How do you know that? Because you have stood in faith, you have lived by faith, you have watched God provide by faith. So that someone here on this end of the journey, the beginning of their journey, hearing someone who's been through the journey, who stood in faith, knows, okay, well, if God has worked that out and redeemed them, then God can redeem what I'm going through even now. That's one of the questions that I've seen a lot of our seniors, juniors, teenagers have. And you know what's beautiful? is that a church didn't abandon them in the midst of a pandemic. They still had a place to come. They still had people to talk to. They still had a place where they could gather and where their faith could be redeemed. And as we approach 2022 and some other variant that's probably going to be popping up in the news or whatever, let me encourage you, stand in your faith. Stand in your faith with a God who is with you. Stand in something that will last a lot longer than a blip on the radar. Than a nation against a nation or people against people. Stand in the birth of the Savior who saved you and who redeems your time and has a purpose and plan for your life. When you stand in that faith, you don't just get lost in the anxiety, the overwhelming season of life, whatever it would be for you. But you are able to move forward through it. You are able to see that God is a God of redemption. That God is going to do something good in your life when you trust him. Faith is very simply trusting the Lord. And usually people get in trouble, I get in trouble, we get in trouble when we trust in ourselves more than we trust in our Savior. That's usually when the trouble happens. So stand in faith. That's what Isaiah had to say to Ahaz, to the people then. Because what they feared, what they worried about wouldn't even happen. I mean, he even gives a timeline before this child would even be old enough to know good versus evil. Those guys won't even be on the radar anymore. Like, it won't even be a problem anymore. So why are you worried about it today? God will take care of you. Now, here's what's interesting about that. Is that perhaps like some of you sitting here today or listening online, Ahaz knew that was true. But he didn't believe that it was true. He knew it was true. He knew the truth about the Messiah. He knew the truth about God being present. He knew that God would work it all out. He knew that, but he didn't believe it. What do you mean he didn't believe it? I mean, here's Isaiah standing in his midst, telling him that the Savior's going to be born. And what does Ahaz do? Because Isaiah says, look, this is so true that you could ask God for a sign, any sign. You could ask God for anything. Can you imagine being put in a position where you legitimately could ask God for anything? And Ahaz has been given this opportunity to ask God for a sign. Because God is trying to prove to him that he's going to take care of his people. That he's going to redeem this situation. God is trying to speak that to him. And Ahaz goes... It's okay, I'm not going to ask God for anything. I got this. That's basically what he's saying to God. I'm not going to ask God for his help. I'm not going to ask God for a sign. Oh, and by the way, he gives this sweet little pious religious type of response. Oh, I wouldn't ask God. And Isaiah's all over it. I kind of like Isaiah. (laughs) 
Because Isaiah calls him out and says, you faker. Like you're, you're saying the right things, but your heart's not in it. You know, sometimes that's perhaps what Christmas is like for people, right? <laughs> you go through the motion and it's a really busy season or a really stressful season, but maybe your heart's not in it. And maybe you need to be reminded of what Christmas really is all about, why we celebrate it. Maybe you need to be reminded that it is not just saying the right things, but believing it with your heart. And as Isaiah speaks to Ahaz of what God would do, it's a reminder, no matter who you are, no matter what you're going through, no matter how abandoned or dark or discouraged or perhaps separated from God that you may feel, listen, the promise that Isaiah gives in his generation, the promise that is fulfilled by the Virgin Mary is the same promise to you today. Listen, God always gives you a sign. Have you ever thought about that in your life, in your journey? I mean, think about it. How many times has God had to come along in your journey and remind you that he is with you? As a child of God, as a follower of Jesus by faith, as someone who has been redeemed by the Savior, if you stop for just a moment and you look over the chapters of your life, you're going to find in every season of life there was a moment where God showed up, where he revealed himself, where he spoke to your heart through his Holy Spirit, and he gave you a sign that would get you to the next chapter of life every time. Isn't it true? Think about it. Emmanuel, God with us, it means that he's not a God who is distant, who is far away, but no, he is a God who's present. He's present in the midst of perhaps your great struggles, maybe, maybe your family separated or you went through a deep, dark period of discouragement and depression, but he reminded you in the midst of that, I've got this, I'm not letting go of you. Maybe you lost someone that you loved. Maybe you were given a diagnosis that seemed terminal and God spoke to you in the midst of that and he said, I am with you. You are not alone in this. And he's still carrying you today. What is that? That is a God who loves you, who is present in your life, giving you a sign that he is Emmanuel. He is with you. And he will never abandon you. He is faithful when we are faithless. He is a God who comes through on our behalf when we cannot come through for ourselves. He is a God who forgives us when we feel unforgivable. He is a God who's close when we push him away. He is that type of Savior, and he's always giving a sign. Can you point to, even recently in your life, the sign, the word, the moment, the voice, the touch, the miracle of God through Jesus Christ present in you by the Holy Spirit where he said, I've got you. I've got this. And I'm going to redeem this. When I think about those moments, when I have to stop, and by the way, in the midst of your rush, in the midst of the oppression, in the midst of the stress, in the midst of your success, whatever it may be, you legitimately have to stop to recognize that voice. Where he says, look, I'm giving you signs all the time. 
that not only have I saved you, but I'm redeeming you. Not only have I done good for you, but I'm going to do good for you. I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to see you through. I'm going to give you hope. That's Emmanuel. And that was the promise given to Ahaz. That was the promise also given to Mary. And Mary would bring forth a son, and she would wrap him in swaddling clothes, and she would lay him in a manger. That child we know is Jesus Christ, God's son. God not just present in heaven, God present on earth. And that's the kind of Savior that gives you the signs to know, hey, I've got this. I'm working in your life. I'm going to take care of you. You can trust me. So, to be able to understand the fullness of who he is, it means that we stand in faith and we pay attention when he gives us a sign. And I'll even tell you this, when I look at scripture, Isaiah gives Ahaz a wonderful gift. I think it's a gift that God gives to each and every one of us as his children. And it's unique and individual because he knows what you need to move forward. Do I stay in this relationship or do I not? Do I take that job or do I not? Do I live in this city or do I not? God, do I move forward with this opportunity or do I not? God, what is the right thing to do in this situation? Or what do I do in it? Is it the wrong thing to do? And for his children who abide by his word, who listen to his Holy Spirit, do you know what he always does if you ask for it? He gives you a sign. He gives you a sign. He always gives us a sign. And Jesus is the greatest. By the way, if you're wondering, well, is that God's will for my life? Well, it'll never contradict his word. Jesus, the prophecy, didn't contradict things that had been said before. And it was fulfilled in the presence and the birth of the Christ. So if you're wondering, okay, well, what would God say? Maybe you just don't know it yet. But he's given it, he's spoken it, and you just have to discover it. He always gives a sign. Or maybe you genuinely are following him and God, what is it? And he's spoken and you're hesitant to obey, to listen, to follow. But he's given you a sign. Why would God give you a sign? Would it be to hold you back or move you forward? Would it be to give you worse or give you better? And when Isaiah spoke to Ahaz and said, what kind of sign would you like to see? Well, I don't want a sign. Because I know, but I don't believe. I don't want a sign. I'll figure this out on my own. Isaiah's like, you'll never figure it out on your own. So I'll give you a sign. A sign that you won't even be able to figure out. There will be a virgin who will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel. Again, that fifth name given to the Savior. And I'm sure Ahaz didn't even understand that in his generation. But you and I have the privilege of knowing the rest of the story. That that Savior was born 740 years later to a Virgin Mary, to her husband Joseph. And that child, Jesus, the Son of God, would come to save his people. There's one final thing that stands out, and you can't miss this, because after Isaiah speaks all of this to Ahaz, and he reminds him that God is with them, that is the name that we hold to today. Emmanuel. And what does it mean? What does it mean for you? What does it mean for me? What does it mean for us? He is always, always, always with us. He never abandoned us in the last 
18 to 20 to 24 months. He didn't abandon you right now with whatever it is you're going through. Whatever challenge, whatever difficulty, he didn't leave you alone. Surely in the darkness it's hard to see, but the light shines in the darkness. Isaiah prophesied. The light will come to those who are walking in darkness. They will see a great light. He's mentioned this in Isaiah 9. That light would be Jesus, who the Gospel of John would call the light of the world. And maybe right now in your life this Christmas, it's a time to move out of those discouragement, dark moments in your heart and in your soul. And to be set free by one who redeems your heart, your soul, your life, who redeems the time. Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior. He's always with us when we don't know our way. He is a God who does know the way. And what may be important to us in our generation, he's so in charge of that detail that even in the moment where we're self-absorbed and we think this is, this is the worst case scenario, this is more important than anybody else's problems, even in that, he's got over that. He's with you in that and he can handle that and he's going to handle that because he's the Messiah. He's the Savior. He's the Son of God. You see, at times I, I think that we as people want to relegate Jesus to sweet little baby Jesus in a manger. <laughs> but sweet little baby Jesus in a manger was a savior that was born on a promise 740 years prior that God would not break. That God would promise to fulfill as a savior for all people of all generations who would trust in them. God's never going to break a promise to you. People will. He won't. That's who that Savior is. He's a Savior who has the authority over every generation. Every generation. Some of you, you're on the front side of your journey in your generation. Some of you, you're finishing up your story in this generation. And guess what? He is the Savior over your time, over your generation. Use it well. Live it well. Finish it right. Because he's a God who's in charge, a Savior who's in charge of time. He's a Savior who can do miracles. As we would watch Jesus not only be born of a virgin. And what's beautiful is the difference between Isaiah chapter 7 and Matthew chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 7 is actually quite generic. The word used in Isaiah for the virgin is a young woman. So is it possible for a virgin young woman for a young woman to have a child yes if she has a relationship with a man that's very possible and that's the context of Isaiah truthfully in Isaiah chapter 7 if you want to know the details of it Isaiah was probably thinking about his own wife that's probably who he's thinking about that God spoke to him about but that's entirely different from Matthew chapter 1 Matthew chapter 2 Luke chapter 2 because the Bible's very clear that the fulfillment of this prophecy in this woman named Mary, that Mary would have never known a man. Those of you who are adults, you can figure out what the word known was. Those of you who are children, we'll talk to you after church today, right? She had never been with anyone. And therefore, it's impossible. It's impossible for that to happen. And yet the scripture says... 
And this is the great heresy of Christmas for so many people. That the Holy Spirit would come upon those, that woman, that person, that holy woman, who had given herself totally to trust the Lord. Whatever you say, God, that's what can happen. Whatever you say, Lord, that's your will. So be it done according to your servant. That's who she was. And not someone who was so focused on herself, but who was focused on God. And with that, she received one of the greatest privileges of all, to give birth to the Savior of the world in a supernatural way. You see, that's the connection between Isaiah 7, Matthew 2, Luke 2, all of the story. That's the miracle of Christmas. That Savior, perfect Savior, is the one who was born to redeem our lives. When I think about the story of Christmas and I think about the names of God, I, I believe that during this season of life, there's nothing more important than what you've heard today and what you need, I need, we need as God's children. He is someone very specific to us. And for us to know that he is a God who is redeeming our time, this time, this day, our life, we need to embrace him as Emmanuel, the Savior, God, who is with us. Let's pray together. Father, in heaven, it was your divine plan to redeem your people by faith. Right now, I pray for those whose faith has faltered, is struggling. God, I pray that even now they will sense your presence, that you are still with them. God, there, there are those who perhaps in their journey of life even now recognize that like Ahaz, they have tried to figure it out themselves. And you've been orchestrating the details, but they've been oblivious to it. And now they stand face to face in a moment where they realize, God, you've given a sign. It's your son, Jesus, that sets a soul free, that gives a life purpose, that gives us eternity, even as we live in this day and generation. God, I, I pray that right now, from wherever your children are coming in their heart, wherever they sense, Lord, that they need you to speak, I pray that you're Emmanuel right now to that. That you are God present, God present in their jobs, in their homes, in their emotions, in the details that they are concerned about. I, I pray that you'll speak even greater into that situation right now so that they will see that you're a God who's present, redeeming, working. You're Emmanuel. You're with them. And on this day, this Sunday, my prayer is that it wouldn't just be a season, a holiday, lights and songs that, that just moves on at the end of this month. I pray that on this day, for real, in the hearts of your sons and daughters, we will live with Emmanuel. We will live just as if you're walking right beside us each and every day. Jesus, thank you for your presence. And thank you that you are a God who redeems our lives. 
in your name. Amen. This morning before church, someone came to me and said, um, Hey, Pastor, I want to get saved today. <laughs> There's no greater way to start church than to have someone say that to you. And, and how do you get saved? Because perhaps for some of you today, that, that may be the Christmas issue for you. It may be true for those of you online. How do you get saved? Well, Emmanuel was born for you. Jesus, the Son of God, he was born for you. And the moment that you stand in your faith, because if you do not stand in your faith in Jesus, then you cannot stand at all. <laughs> but the moment that you stand in your faith in Jesus as your Savior, and you embrace him as Emmanuel, God, Jesus, you're with me. You're saving me. And I'm going to follow you. When you do that, there's your salvation. Emmanuel. And so today, perhaps that may be you. If you want to talk to somebody after church, I just encourage you to go by our welcome desk in the back. Some of our pastors, some of our guests will be back there. Um, our leaders to help talk through that. Maybe that's you online. Let us know. We want to help you in your walk with Emmanuel. And then continue to be a part of a family of faith that is active in redeeming the time. You saw the video. You see what we've done. There's a lot to celebrate. This afternoon, 4 o'clock, we actually have one of our missions outlets, our wrap party, which is our wrapping party for the gifts for the family, families at Bethel Housing over in Gentilly. We're actually taking care of and providing Christmas for some of their families. And if you've missed out on that opportunity to give, you can see us in the back and we'd be happy to help you get connected. But we're going to be wrapping those gifts today at four. We're going to be doing a party for them Wednesday night right here. Wednesday night, a party just for those families. A lot of ways that you can be connected. Next Sunday, by the way, is a big Sunday for us. It's our Sunday to give of our Christmas offering, our Redeeming the Time Christmas offering. And I know what the Lord's already said to me. I already know what he said. This is what I want you to give. And it's, it's one of those moments where you go, okay, if you don't stand by faith, you don't stand at all. So Lord, we'll stand by faith. Lord, we'll do what you said. Why? Because as a part of a church, yeah, we've been through a thin year, a challenging year, but <laughs> Emmanuel, God's with us. And what I love about Christmas is the reminder it doesn't matter what you're walking through. Jesus came to save. Jesus came to lead. And Jesus came to redeem the time. So we're going to be a part of that next Sunday. So go in and prepare your hearts for that. Because as a church, um, we're going to cover anything that we might have not received in this last year. And we're going to march into 2022 with Emmanuel on our side. Right? I'm so grateful for you. And I pray that you will experience the peace, the power, and the presence of the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, our everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, who today we call him Emmanuel. God bless you all and Merry Christmas.